2: Welcome back to Almost Famous, this is part two of my interview with the very, very funny Angela Barnes, star of Mock the Week, host of the News Quiz uh, on Radio 4, and uh, yeah, she's a brilliant, brilliant guest, so please keep listening, and uh, thanks again, cheers. I'm interested, I tend to ask this a lot as well. How much of uh, you've mentioned it a little bit, but how much of what people see when they're watching you perform is the real you, and how much of it is a, a persona that you've adopted for the stage?
3: I think it's it is me. I think it's the me that I sort of wish I was a bit more in life. Um so I I always say my on-stage persona, she's a lot more ballsy than I am. And she will say things that, you know, I feel safe saying into a microphone in front of hundreds of people that I wouldn't necessarily say to one other person in a room you know um because I always say when people come to my tour shows and things and then afterwards they want to meet you and I always think oh god I'm going to be such a letdown because they think they're going to meet this (laughs) this brassy and what they're actually going to meet is a slightly twitchy nervy woman going hello thank you for coming to my show um (laughs) you know because I'm just I, I I'm quite shy in some ways um Uh, and have quite a lot of anxiety about meeting new people and then people say well how can you get up on a stage and it's I always say well when I'm on a stage it's always my turn to talk right there's no awkwardness I know that I've got a microphone it's my show it's always my turn to talk so I feel safe whereas in a one-to-one situation I get awkward and go have I talked too much have I not talked enough have I you know and all those sort of insecurities come out whereas so I think it she is me um, she exaggerates sometimes, and she um you know embellishes stories a little bit sometimes but and she's definitely got a more of a potty mouth than I have on day to day life, but yeah, she is me really,
2: and you've said that you come from a family of pessimists <laughs> and you've been accused of being world weary is that really you, and if so, how does that affect the material you write? Is that what you naturally go towards? well,
3: apparently so, that's one of those things like when you talk about persona, I never you know. I never sat down and went, right, this is the sort of comedian I'm going to be. When you start out, you just write what you can write, you know. And I only really found out what sort of comic I was when people started reviewing things that I was doing, you know, like Edinburgh shows or gigs or whatever. And they'd be like – and the same sure. two phrases came up. It was like world-weary, self-deprecating. And I was like, oh, I guess that's I guess that's what I am then. <laughs> you know, so it was never like, yeah. oh, that's what I'm going to set out to be. You just go, oh, I guess that, there must be something in me that is those things. And I think I am one of life's... I always say it's better to be a pessimist because then you're never disappointed, you know. Um, I always think if you're... Was it? And, and once, genuinely, Romesh Ranganathan once said to me, because we started out together as open spots in Brighton, and I remember him mm-hmm. saying to me once, your glass isn't just half empty. He said, you smashed it on a table and cut yourself with it. Um, <laughs> now, when Romesh says that to you, like the most miserable man in comedy, it does make you think, oh, maybe I have got a slightly negative outlook um and that's why i did the show rose tinted that i did I was sort of trying to look on the bright side of life a bit more but actually i you know it served me all right to be cautious and a bit cynical and a bit wary you know i think you can't i'm yeah i'm always happy when things go well i'm always delighted oh. i'm not expecting it
2: <laughs> yeah we've touched a little bit upon um things slowly moving in the right direction for uh women in comedy um I'm assuming you've been in a lot of writer's rooms for kind of radio, certainly and TV places that are kind of known for being boys clubs down the years. Um, have you noticed, you know, any quickening of the change in terms of that stuff? Is it still really hard to get into those places? Is it still a boys club basically?
3: I'd say it's changed a lot just in the last four years. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, even from when the first TV series I did was uh, Stand Up for the Week, and that was a very male environment. Uh, There were a couple of women in the writers' rooms and there was me, and then there were tens of boys involved, you know. Um, Whereas now I find, like on on the news quiz, for example, we are often uh, equal, if not more, women than men on the panel and same in the writers' room. Um, right. I'd say it's really balanced. And that's great to see. I mean, that was great when I was doing Newsjack on Radio 4, which is the open source, you know, so anyone can can send stuff in. We were just yeah. getting great stuff from women at home. Go what, you know, thinking, why aren't these people getting the in their foot in the doors? And the thing is, you know, a lot of comedy you've seen on the telly for many years was written by the same 10 people, you know, um, mm-hmm. and they were generally men. Um, and so it just took a while, you know, it's like with anything, it just takes a while for the people who are say maybe 10 years ago, there was a real movement. When I started doing stand up, there was a lot of women started at around the same time as me. And now we're getting to the point where we're the ones on telly, you know? So, um, and, and similarly in writing, there's a lot of women now who are getting into the writers rooms. And so in 10 years time, I think it will be 50, 50 pretty much. Um, because, you know, as those people that are just starting out now get to the top of their game, that I think yeah. the balance is coming. And and it's that thing as well of you've got to see it to be it. You know, when I was growing up, there weren't many women doing comedy on telly. You had Victoria Woods, you had Joe Brand, you had Jenny Claire, uh, you had Joe Rifford. French Rivers. and Saunders. Yeah, French and Saunders. But, you know, compared to the amount of men doing oh, it, yeah. they just weren't. Whereas now, you know, it's it's pretty evenly distributed now and you've got people like Catherine Ryan and Sarah Pascoe and Sarah Millican who are just paving the way for the next generation and now yeah. I go to um I every year twice a year I go to Jill Edwards runs her course twice a year and I always go and do a QA and a with them um brilliant uh, because it's where I started and I feel a lot of you know um love for that course and I go and and speak to the students and then I MC their uh, end of course show thing that they do and i'd say yeah. there's easily as many women doing it as men now easily if not more
2: brilliant um which you're is a trailblazer great. angela you're, oh, you're no. helping with that stuff
3: <laughs> i don't know if i am i think the trailblazers are your millicans your pascos Your you know they they went and said right fuck this we're 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 showing them you know and now People are used to seeing us on the telly. So it's not such a shock, you know, whereas 10 years ago, it's like, oh, woman, I'm not the week.
2: What?
0: Yeah.
3: She'll be shit. You know, and, and it's very, it's difficult because if you look at a, I would say, if you look at a YouTube clip of a male comic dying on stage, right, all the comments underneath will be about how shit that comic is. If you go to a YouTube clip of a female comic dying on stage, all the comments will be that women are shit at comedy. So every time you went on stage or on a panel show, you had the reputation of all women in comedy on your shoulders, not just yourself you were responsible for. Whereas Mm. nobody's ever gone, you know, when a man has a bad gig, nobody's ever gone, God, men are shit at comedy, aren't they? That just doesn't happen. And that's a lot of pressure to put on someone who's just starting out. (laughs) You know, every time you go on stage, every time you go on TV, every time you go on radio, that's your, the whole of your gender is being judged.
2: And you've you've actually talked quite openly about how social media criticism has affected you. And, you know, that's a great example of it. The pressure that you feel that puts on you even before you've started, let alone, you know, the comments afterwards. How do you deal with that?
3: It's I mean, generally speaking, I ignore trolls and things on twitter because that way madness lies you know i never go searching my name on twitter i never do anything like that what i have started doing recently i've got a little strategy for dealing with it and it, and so far it's had a pretty good success rate um is i do think it's like i was saying before you know people see you on the telly and they think you're rich and you're not real you know that there's these this sort of you live in this different world that you somehow exist in this elite club that we're all going to the same bars and we're all going to the same shops. And and it's just not the case, you know? Um, So I do try and remember that that's a perception people have. That's a perception I had before I was in this world. So i try and remember that, you know, people aren't thinking of you as the person you are. They're not trying to hurt you because they don't know you. And they're just, you know, might be frustrated, but no one who is happy and secure trolls anyone on Twitter right that's the bottom line they just don't you know most of us if we don't like something we just don't like it that's it you don't find that person and tell them on twitter if you're doing that there's something fundamentally not right in your life you know yeah so i try and remember that that whoever these people are they are definitely having a worse time than i am you know
2: yeah Um, absolutely
3: and but what i've started doing now and i found it so if i get trolled on twitter and it's somebody who you know obviously isn't using their real name, doesn't have a photograph of themselves. They're obviously just a troll. Then I just ignore them. But if it's somebody who's added me in a tweet and they use their own name and they've got their picture, I'll just challenge them on it. Now I'll just go, hello, I'm Angela. Um, why did you feel you had to say that to me? That seems a little bit unkind. And I don't think a secure person would do that. Are you okay? And that's and a, how do they react. Even, usually they come back and they're like, Oh God, I, I'm sorry. Like I, yeah. yeah, I shouldn't have said that. You know, because they've been—they—they realise that you're a person, then, and then they've gone. You know, I sort of say, if you saw me in the street, would you have said that to me? Probably not. You know, yeah. sometimes they double down on it because they've been caught, and they don't. You know, some—that's how, how you deal with being caught out. Sometimes is you double down. You know, and th- those people can't really do much with, but. If there's a few quite a few times now when i've just challenged it like that and, and they end up apologizing and deleting the tweet or sort of saying sorry i just hadn't really thought you know yeah and and you know you have the ones who go i'm entitled to my opinion and i was like yeah you absolutely are and you don't have to like me but don't at me in it on twitter because that's saying more about you than it is about me that you yeah, felt surely you that.
2: surely the reality of that is that uh... And, and this has come up a few times the reality of it, a i just don't think these people ever leave their bedrooms one but mm. also i think a lot of that is you know the reason they at you must be because they hope by adding you people are more likely to see that tweet and therefore they might get into conversations with other like-minded idiots and see who mm. can try and attempt to be an in inverted commas funny about somebody's appearance on the television yeah
3: i mean it is an attention thing and that's why i don't interact with the ones that don't use their real names because that is just goading they're just goading you into a reaction and i won't give them the satisfaction and that's why i never block anyone i only ever mute them so i can't see their. you know then they can just shout it into a void for the rest of their lives and i never have to know about it um you know i'll only do it if it's someone i think you've just not thought this through
2: plushcare.com slash weight loss
3: and i'm just gonna stop you now before you do it again you know they're the ones i'll interact with um
2: do the do the positives do the positives of being on i think twitter specifically because i feel like that's where the biggest wasteland of disgusting hell of trolls really is but do the do the positives yeah do the positives far outweigh the negatives so it's always worth sticking on it
3: Yeah, I think so. I've had really lovely interactions with people on Twitter, you know, and, and in terms of getting people to listen to my podcast or to come to my shows or whatever, it's invaluable, really. And, you know, you know what us comedians are like, what we do is when you're even if you're at a gig, you can have 499 people enjoying the show out of 500, but you're going to look at that one who's sitting there stony faced and wish they weren't there you know, totally. and that's what it's like on Twitter as well. You can get as many people as you like tweeting you saying that they enjoy what you do and thanking you for what you do and all of that, but you're going to focus on the person who went, you're not funny. Um, You know, that's just human nature. And I do think um, it um it's interesting with comedy because it, it is subjective, obviously. And so if you accept that comedy is subjective, which I think most people do, then you also have to accept that you're not going to like all comedy, like, because it can't, mm-hmm you can't please everybody if it's subjective. So I find it phenomenally arrogant when people get angry that they didn't like your comedy, you know, and they'll say things on Twitter like, you're not funny. I, I don't think you're funny. What are you doing on my radio? You're not funny. And I'm like, right, you don't think I'm funny. That's fine. But how arrogant are you that you think all entertainment has to be um, aimed at your specific taste, you know? Yeah. There's comedy I don't. Yeah, just like, isn't just like any.
2: Yeah, just just like anything, just like any form of, you know, the oh, arts yeah. or creating creativity or, or anything, and and certainly you know the age old one of nobody goes into that person's day job and pulls them out who doesn't you know a stranger and slags them off for an email they just wrote or whatever. Exactly. It, is a, it is a bizarre thing that's only come with social media. But there's this
3: sort of sense of entitlement that all entertainment has to be to your taste and for you, and if it isn't, then it's wrong you know but you can't it's not it's look I'm I'm not a big fan of say Mrs Brown's Boys is not necessarily my cup of tea but I would never no. slag it off because there are millions of people who love it you know and um, you can't no. say it's not funny you just can't because people are laughing at it and buying the DVDs and watching the live shows and so because something isn't your taste doesn't negate it as a piece of work you know yeah. and, and I so... think people just don't realize that on Twitter
2: yeah so just that's an interesting point so there are some comedians i don't think we need to name names but we all know them very very big name comedians who mm. do openly go in on other artists other comedians mm. during some of their work what do you think makes them feel confident enough to do that and not think in the same way that you described in terms of you know they yeah it being subjective and there being an audience for everybody
3: See, I, you know, again, it's that same thing. I don't find that funny. As far as I'm concerned, all people who work in comedy are my colleagues of some description, you know? And so I would never openly slag off anybody um, in comedy. You know, I might not like what they're doing necessarily, but if it works, they've got an audience for it. It's not doing me any harm, is it? Why would I have a, you know, someone else's success isn't my failure you know it's not a zero-sum game so just let people do what they do and you concentrate on what you do um otherwise you just drive yourself mad and and i think actually it's a really it's it's not you know there are certain quite high status comics and that's the other thing as well it never worked i'm quite a low status comic it never worked for me to be slagging off other (laughs) comics who cares you know that's your persona you've got this high status persona whether it's who you really are or not um you know you might use that as your sort of way of or your excuse for for saying the things you say or whatever but I just think look we're we're all in this industry we all know how bloody hard it is let's not make it harder for each other
2: totally but it strikes me as interesting that those people who are doing that so the you know the big name comedians who are slagging off other comedians to try and get laughs they of course are the same as all of us that they need the affirmation but it's almost like they're forgetting how that's going to affect that other performer because we all want affirmation from our peers so it just strikes me as kind of doubly mean in a way
3: just seems monumentally unkind and no need for it if you ask me and i just you know if you can sleep at night well that's up to you i you know i'm i i like to um i like people to like me <laughs> and i like to like yeah, people no, and that... i don't you know i just don't understand why you would do that for your own gains but you know if that's what if that's what floats your boat then good luck to you um
2: yeah totally you know um, and it's been an amazing chat i'm just going to do some little we have some quite uh kind of more quick fire questions towards the end so if you can kind of come up with the first answers that come off the top of your head Um, okay i'm gonna use so these are based around being famous you don't think you're famous so i'll say being in the public eye okay so how is um uh what's the most embarrassing thing that's happened to you because of being in the public eye
3: oh um well i'd say the the woman in the uh a and e reception who recognized me while i stood there Uh, with my tits wrapped in cling film that
2: was pretty embarrassing yeah (laughs) the tits wrapped in cling film (laughs) moment yeah understandable uh what's the best thing about being in the public eye
3: Getting free stuff.
2: <laughs> Such as?
3: <laughs> I, I, um, beer largely is what I get given. And, um, I once did a tweet about, I'm a bit of a craft beer wanker. I like my ales. And yeah. I once just did a tweet about an ale that I was enjoying and, um,
2: yeah loads of it got sent to my agent so i was like this is brilliant Uh, but yeah the moment that that happens doesn't that make you think i've got to start tweeting about other shit that i (laughs) really want
3: oh i really like porsches um yeah yeah, no i'm not that i i can't i find it very difficult to to ask lots of people i know that uh, you know have a certain level of celebrity um will ask for stuff but i won't ask for it no but if somebody you know offers it then that's very kind um yeah Fair yeah. enough. And what, what's the worst?
2: <laughs> and what's the worst thing about being in the public eye?
3: Uh, just having to remember not to pick your nose on public transport or anything like that, because people might recognise you and tweet about it. You know, it's it's things like that. Because I'll, I'll you know walk along the street singing to my dog, and then I just think, oh god, one of these days you're going to end up, <laughs> you know, somebody's going to tweet a video of you singing at the dog down the street. You just got to have a little bit of just in case someone does.
2: <laughs> yeah. Totally. What advice would you give to uh someone who strives for your level of uh fame or, or public attention?
3: I the advice I always give is um just just don't be a dick to anybody, right? Like just be someone people want to work with and then you'll you'll be all right, you know? I think I always mm. think you can be you have to be so super good at something for people to put up with you being a bell end you know so if you're a good comic and you're a dick and there's another good comic who's nice the person who's nice is going to get the job you know
2: that's that's such a good way of putting it uh, the bell end comment is perfect <laughs> um uh who is the most famous person in your phone angela
3: probably alan carr
2: I oh, think. yes very yeah. very very famous yeah. um okay and i just want to know whether uh, before we go just two more questions one do you strive for a level of um a, le- um a bigger level of fame or public exposure or success is there is there a kind of level that you're aspiring to get to or are you kind of happy where you are how does your how does your um, ambition work in that in that sense
3: I really like where I am. I sort of, and I genuinely mean this. I think people think you're bullshitting when you say it, but you sort of forget that when you do telly, you're appearing in people's living rooms and they can see you. Um, You know, and and I never did it to be famous. I don't, I like comedy and I wanted to be a comedian and I wanted to be respected for what I did, but I definitely wasn't like, I'm going to be the most famous. And actually I quite like where I am now. I like that some people know who I am. Generally people are nice to me and you know but i can still walk my dog and nobody bothers me yeah you know that's a nice place to be at
2: uh and therefore i feel like i know the answer to this question but i have to ask it format wise final question knowing all that it entails and with the benefit of hindsight would you give up your level of uh fame slash public exposure if you had the chance by which i mean you get to keep your entire life finances security uh fiance dog but no one would ever recognize you
3: yeah Definitely. I'd be happy with that. I, um, yeah, it's not about being recognized. If I if I was financially secure and satisfied in what I'm doing, then yeah, absolutely.
2: Very good. Angela, thank you so much. Uh, I want to give you the opportunity to plug anything you want. Now, tell us a little bit more about the, uh, or a little bit about We Are History with John O'Farrell as well. He's a friend of mine. So, Lovely John uh, O'Farrell. for your life. So, yeah,
3: yeah, we're, we're both history nerds. I mean, John's written actual books about history. I haven't, but, um yeah we so we decided a couple of years ago to to do a podcast together and it's called we are history and it's on all good pod platforms and all it is is every week we take uh something from history that interests us and we chat about it in a hopefully quite funny way it's not you know a deep dive and it's not academic um it's just two reasonably funny mates chatting about stuff in history so we've done things like vlad the impaler we've done nudism in East Germany, spy pigeons, uh strike. Yeah, all sorts. So yeah, look that up.
2: Okay. And in terms of during the lockdown, where can people see you doing performing or just uh, the radio stuff that you were talking about before?
3: Yeah, uh, news quiz on Radio 4, which uh, there's another few weeks of that left. So that's 6.30 on a Friday night on Radio 4. And then after that, I mean it's anybody's guess really. We're we're, we're wading <laughs> into the dark after that. But I am writing a a book for Audible an audio book which well I, w- I won't say when it should be coming out because who knows in the current you know what'll happen uh, about actually being able to record the thing but look out
2: it will be called The Ugly Truth and it'll be coming out eventually. <laughs> Very cool. Angela. thank you so much for coming on Almost Famous. I've really enjoyed our chat. Guys, please do press that subscribe button uh, on the podcast, rate it and leave us a comment too. Find us on Instagram at, at Almost Famous, the podcast and on Twitter at Pod Almost Famous. And until next time, thanks again for listening.